You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by guest speaker and vice principal of Ridley College, Tim Foster. Tonight's Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 13, and can be found on page 932 of the Pew Bibles. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Cool. Well, uh, great to be back with you. I I don't know if any of you recall, I think I was here about, I'm just trying to remember when it was. I can't even remember if it was you or Di who was the pastor here then. It was before your time. Ages ago. Anyway, it's great to be back. I love coming to St John's and uh, thank you so much for your welcome and for having me uh, tonight. It's a great church. Uh, I've been to a lot of churches and uh, probably the most spectacular church that I've ever been to is in Chicago in the United States. This church is amazing. It is so spectacular that you park your car and there's a shuttle bus to take you to the auditorium because the car park is so big. Right? It, it is so spectacular that it has a food court which is bigger than the food court at Chatty. After the service, it's not just chicken and chips as fantastic as they are, but it's, there's the taco shop and then there's the hamburger shop. and then the, This is a church, right? It's fantastic. The kids' ministry... There are you know, schools that are smaller than the buildings that they have. When you drop your kids off, you get a number, and if they're upset or something during the service, the number comes up on uh, the screen, and you can go and you know, find your kid and uh, see how they're going. It's amazing. And I have a, they have services there too, would you believe? 
uh, and they are amazing, incredible uh, preachers. Each week they develop a, a drama just for that service. So if it was, you know, they do a drama just on love, and it, it is beautifully scripted, it is beautifully acted, and it's, uh, it's as good as anything you would find on television. And of course the music uh, is incredible. I think if the only thing that, that it, it's missing really is it doesn't have a smoke machine. I think if it had a smoke machine, it would get 10 out of 10. It's a spectacular church. Now, my church, by contrast, on a good day, you know, so Willow Creek Church might be a, you know, a 9 out of 10 on the wow factor scale. My church, maybe on a good day, is, is a 2. Right? Not as spectacular. Uh, I'm sure uh, that, you know, you... you You'd go along and you'd think, yeah, this is good, but it certainly doesn't have that wow kind of factor. The Corinthian church, that's the church to whom Paul wrote that letter that was just read out, the Corinthian church, they thought that they were spectacular. And people who came along to their gatherings, which wouldn't have been in church buildings like this, but in large houses... People who came along to their gatherings would have walked in there and said, this is a spectacular church. On the wow factor scale, it would have given them a 9 out of 10. It was spectacular. In the previous chapter, it describes some of the things that made it so spectacular. And Paul, in chapter 13, our chapter for tonight, picks up on some of those things. And you look at them for yourself, you'll see that they're pretty spectacular. He says to them, in uh, verses 1 to 3, he says, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or clanging symbol. This was a church where people spoke in tongues. Now, maybe you've seen people speaking in tongues. Maybe you've spoken in tongues yourself It feels very spiritual. It looks very spectacular. Tongues have a wow factor. And so people have gone into this church and they would have gone, wow. Or he talks about them having the gift of prophecy. When I first became a Christian, I was at a, a church where every couple of weeks or so, there was a woman who would have what she thought and what they thought was a word from God, a prophecy. And it was spectacular to hear. It was, it was like God was speaking to us now in the present, not, not from the distance of 2,000 years, uh, not from a distant place or time or culture, but here now. And so these Corinthians thought that they were pretty spectacular because not only did they have tongues, but they had prophecy as well. And Paul goes on to talk about their spectacular faith, mountain-moving faith, which is also spectacular, being able to trust God when it's tough, making decisions based on faith, making life-changing decisions because of your faith in him, making huge sacrifices because their faith enables them to. Wow, what a spectacular church. And the last thing he points out in verse 3 is their generosity. They were so unbelievably generous. And that 
uh, is truly impressive because if tongues and prophecy are more spiritual, more otherworldly, well, this is very matter-of-fact and down-to-earth. Giving all you have to the poor, well, that's spectacular. Imagine if we did that. Imagine if we even gave half what we had to the poor. That would be spectacular. And so Paul looks at the church and says, you know what? You look spectacular. And all those things are great. He doesn't dismiss them. He doesn't say they're unimportant. He doesn't even say they're unspectacular. But he says, well, you might have all of these things. You might have tongues. You might have prophecy. You might have faith. You might have generosity. And while you might experience all these things, and while they might give your church a massive wow factor, there's something missing. There's something missing, and without that missing piece, these things mean nothing. And without these things, you have a wow factor of exactly zero. What they need to add is simply this. They need to add love. They need to add love. He says, even speaking in the tongues of men and angels, even prophecy that can fathom all mysteries, even faith that can move mountains, even giving away everything you own, mean nothing without love. Without love, they have no wow factor at all. But a church that is characterised by love is amazing. Because real love is spectacular. It's just that it, it doesn't strike us the same way all those other things do. It's not so in your face like those other things. It's not so appealing. But it's still spectacular. He, he describes the kind of love that it's spectacular from verse 4. I'm going to read verses 4 to 6. He says, Love is patient. Love is kind does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others, it's not self-seeking, not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's a beautiful description of love, isn't it? But what do those 14 characteristics that he mentions there have in common? Well, what they have in common is that they are all about the other person. They all relate to the way we act towards others. If you ever heard, you've probably heard this passage, if you've heard this passage before, you may well have heard it. I know it was preached on not too long ago here at St John's, but you may well have heard it at a wedding. This is kind of the go-to wedding passage. 1 Corinthians 13. Julia, are you having 1 Corinthians 13 at your wedding? You are? No. 
thank goodness. And it's kind of the go-to wedding passage because, well, it's so beautiful, isn't it? Those words are so beautiful. That kind of love is so beautiful. But in a sense, that's the wrong context for this passage. And it's the wrong context for this passage because it's not talking about romantic love. See, in our culture, we've come to think of love as a feeling. We've come to think of love as a romantic feeling. But that is not what biblical love is. Biblical love is not a feeling at all. It is not a feeling at all. Biblical love is an action. Biblical love is an action. One of the great passages about love in the Bible comes from 1 John chapter 4. And in verse 9, uh, John says, This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. How did God show his love for us? Through an action. Through a costly, sacrificial action of giving his son for us. Because love is not a feeling. Love is an action. And so the description of love here as being patient, as being kind, as not envying, not boasting, speaks about our attitude, our behaviour, our actions, how we treat the other person. And often, often we're called to love like that when we don't feel anything for the person. In fact, where we feel jealous or angry or betrayed for that person. But that's what makes love so spectacular. It's that we act in the interests of the other person when we don't want to, when we don't feel affection for them. See, anyone can act in the interests of someone they feel romantic attachment for. But acting patiently, kindly, acting in the interests of the other person who we don't like, who's treated us badly, who we've fallen out with, that is spectacular. And that's why it's the mark of the church. Because it's so difficult. It's so unusual. It's so countercultural. When Jesus loved, one John tells us, he loved by giving himself, his whole life, for the world, for you. His love was an action. Love is his signature move. And so he calls us as the church to be defined by love. For love to be our signature move. To be what characterises our life together, our relationships together. That we are a community who seek to serve, who seek to forgive, who are characterised by patience, who do not envy, who are kind. Uh, 
That's what characterised Jesus. That's what characterises the community of his people. And because it is so unusual, because it is so difficult, it becomes the mark of a spectacular church. Last June, I took a group of Ridley College students, 13 uh, students, to Turkey to see the biblical sites of Turkey, to walk in uh, the steps that Paul walked in to go to places where he ministered, like Ephesus, which is all the big archaeological site now. And one of the things we did, which I haven't done uh, with students before, was we, we chartered two yachts and we sailed along the southern coastline of Turkey. And what we did when we were doing that is we followed the route that Paul took because he sailed along that same coastline. And we sort of tracked along part of his third missionary journey as he was heading uh, back home. And we called in to the port where he called into and changed ships, only it's kind of all silted up and it's a, an archaeological site itself. But we kind of went in there, we walked, walked around and looked at these yeah, big theatre and the, the Roman era granaries where they took, had the grain. Oh, it was fantastic. And what was interesting about this trip was that we were, there was 13 of us on two yachts, which when you looked at them, you know, at the marina at the start of the trip, looked pretty big. You know, one was 50 feet long, one was 46 feet long. But after a week in one of those boats together, let me tell you, they felt very small. We felt very close. Like we felt like we got to know each other pretty well, a little better than we might have liked to have got to know each other. And what was interesting was that kind of trip brought us together in ways that we hadn't been together and put demands on us that we wouldn't otherwise have. We got hot, we got tired, we got this, we, you know, it all happened. And it tested our relations, our relationships. And it demanded from us that we push ourselves to love. And we discovered that other people on the trip who it seemed so nice, well, they had their moments. And they discovered I have my moments as well. And what we had to do was learn to love, uh, to put others first, to be humble, to kind of, well, I'll do the washing up. Even though I did it last, I'll do it again. Uh, I want to get a cup of tea, but I'll have to make one for everyone. Like... Uh, and our, our, our capacity to love was tested, especially when someone blocked the toilet. That was a real test of our love. And who's going to clean that mess up? But my reflection on the group and my reflection on that experience was they demonstrated real love for each other. And the harder it got, I mean, it was great fun, don't get me wrong, but you know what it's like being together with people in close quarters for a week. The, the harder it got, the more it tested us, and in my view, the more they passed the test. Showing love, bearing with other people, the weak bearing with, sorry, the strong bearing with the weak, looking after, taking care of each other. That is the mark of a spectacular community. That is the mark of God's people. Love is spectacular. A loving church is a spectacular church. It doesn't matter how big your car park is or how good the after church food is, 
That doesn't make us spectacular. It is love that makes it spectacular. Now from verses 8 to 13, the last half of this passage, Paul gives us a key reason that love is spectacular. And it's not obvious what he's saying in these verses. I mean, they're beautiful words, but it's not quite clear what he's saying. But what he says is very significant, and I want to read it again and just uh, hopefully help you see what he's saying here about love and why it is so important and so powerful as a marker of the church. He says this, he says in verse 8, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why is a loving church a spectacular church? Well, there he tells us it is because love is forever. And only love is forever. It's not so much the permanence of love that Paul is highlighting, but the fact that it is the one gift we have that we will have in all eternity. It's the one gift that we have that we will have in all eternity. So love is a taste of eternity. Love is like a bridge between the present and our eternal future. And it's a bridge that doesn't take us into that future, but brings that future into the present so we taste it now. Because he says, these other things, they will go. Prophecy can't... You you Corinthians, he says, you love your prophecy. But, you know, prophecy will go. There's no need for prophecy in our eternal future because there'll be no need for it. We'll, We'll know what we need to know. And tongues can't be a sign of our future because they will cease. And knowledge will will not be needed because we'll know fully then. Even faith, even hope will become redundant because faith is belief in what we cannot see and in eternity we will see, we won't need faith. And we won't need hope because our hope will have been finally fulfilled and realised. But love, he says, love is eternal. And so when we love, when you love someone, when you treat them with kindness they don't deserve, with patience you didn't know you had, with humility, with forgiveness, 
when you serve them, then you are tasting eternity. That action, that action is a taste of the future, a sign of the future, a glimpse of eternity, which is why it is so spectacular. Well, God wants the Corinthians to be a spectacular church. But the thing is that what they thought made them spectacular wasn't. As good as those things were, it didn't make them spectacular. The measure of spectacular wasn't found on the surface, wasn't found in superficial things that, like those things the Corinthians became so enamoured by. The cool stuff, the exciting stuff, the otherworldly stuff. No. The measure of a spectacular church is the quality of love. Well, God wants you guys to be a spectacular church. He wants you guys to be a sign and foretaste of eternity by your love. And so he's given you the Holy Spirit to empower you to love because no one could love like that on their own. We need God's help. We need God's power. We need God's Spirit. And so the Spirit who, Paul says in chapter 12, gives the gifts of tongues and healing and faith and generosity also gives to everyone the gift of love. So, my friends at St John's, may you love like that. May you be a spectacular church. Let me pray. Our God of love, we are so grateful for the love that you have shown us by sending your only Son into the world that he might give his life for us. And we pray that his signature move might be ours also. We pray that you would help us to love, that you'd pour out your spirit on us that we might love that this church might be a spectacular church, that we might serve one another, that we might serve those who are unlovable and that are difficult, that we might forgive, that we might be kind and patient and humble. Please pour out your spirit and mark us by love. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au. 